That good? All right. Be seated, be seated. Oh man, it feels weird to finally have people instead of just empty chairs. Oh, what a weird last few months to lead through. But man, I'm going to tell you, it, it, was, it was good. It was good, the, the, the singing. But I feel like there's some passion that was still on reserve there. Man, it has been so long, and it was so good to sing with you guys and to have the band lead us into worship. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm also saying hi to everybody online. We're so glad that you're watching with us. I hope the stream is doing well for you guys. This is brand new territory, and so I apologize if things get crazy. We'll, we can always upload a video later if it doesn't work, but I'm glad you guys are there online as well. Um, Diplomat Wesleyan people, M my name is Paul Erminger. My wife, Tia, and I lead Gulfside Church. My wife is actually a nurse practitioner, and we have four kids, and she's married to a church planter, so it's really like she has five kids, but I only have to deal with four of them. Um, ages 12, um, Ella is 12, Aaliyah is 10, Odessa is 8, and Anthony turned four recently, and so that's our family. We stay crazy busy with them, but they're awesome, and it's such a joy to be able to gather with you guys together today. I'm glad you're here. I know things will feel differently, but I trust that God's going to encourage you guys, even in spite of things feeling different. And Gulfside people, I know this feels different for you guys as well. It is a week of things being different, so don't let the differences distract you from what God wants to speak to you in this moment. Uh, I think some of us, were all kind of just caught up in the, like, this is strange and odd and different than what we're used to, and I think you missed out some, some of the passion that you would have liked to pour out, pour out to God in worship. And so even during the closing song, Man, I, I encourage you to take a rest from your inhibitions and give God the worship he deserves while we sing together, all right? As we get into the message today, as I was preparing it, I was reminded uh, of something. I don't know if any of you guys have had the um, wonderful opportunity to work at a gas station before. But gas station employees, if you get them talking to you, they can tell you some stories of funny things that have happened there. And maybe you might be guilty of this the way that I know I have at least once in my life where you pull up to the gas pump and you get out and you try to gas up and you're on the wrong side. That's a tough thing to recover from, isn't it? It's like there's no good way to walk back to your car, get in and turn it around. Just recently, there's a, a viral video going around of a woman who it took her about five or six attempts to like get to the gas pump. Like she kept pulling up to the wrong side thinking there's going to be a different result. If you're hanging around a gas station long enough, you'll see someone put diesel fuel into their unleaded engines. That doesn't end well. Don't try that. Don't mix them up. Uh, you can even see sometimes people with electric cars that are electric only trying to figure out where to put the gas pump. And, and there's a part of us that sits and watches that happen. And we're like, how can you be operating that vehicle without having the basic understanding of what fuels it and how it works? Like, especially us men, like, it's just, it's ridiculous to us. But as I've watched myself try to live my life, and I've watched enough other people living their life, it becomes apparent you don't know what is supposed to fuel you because you're about to burn out and wreck your life. It's easy to talk about cars, but when we look at people and the way that they're living, we need to understand there's something that fuels us. And when I ask you what fuels you, you're in church today, so you're probably going to say, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. And, and that is true, but if you're just straightforward, honest, probably the first thing that you think of when you think of what fuels you, you probably think of food. Good food, not just food. Good food keeps us fueled. But there, there's other things that God has designed into your body that you need to do to keep yourself fueled up and ready to run the race he's called you to race. And today we're talking about one of those areas 
And it's one that you might not normally think of. But scripturally, it's clear that it's something that we need. And it's rest. It's rest. Let's go ahead and bring the scripture up on the screen. We're going to study Matthew 11, starting in verse 28 through verse 30 together today. And it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, I'm a little bit concerned about Christians, because when we talk about rest, I think sometimes there's this sense of guilt about resting. It's like there's always things that I should be doing. There's always just a little bit more that I should do. And there's part of us that thinks that we should just be exempt from Scripture's instruction about resting. There's something about us that not only the instructions, but the examples that were set. Because there are clear examples throughout Scripture of the importance of rest in our life. Going all the way back to Genesis in the creation story where God created the world in six days and on the seventh day, he rested. Now, I, I want to make sure that theologically we're on the same train of thought here because God did not need rest, did he? Like, God could have pulled off more. Like, he could have kept going, but he wanted to exemplify something to us. And in fact, if you study this in Hebrew and someone who is Jewish and grew up studying it in the original language, they would say, yes, it's okay to say rest in English, but another almost better way of saying what God did on the seventh day is not that he rested, but that he abstained from work. Because they want to carry the particular notion that God didn't need to rest, but he chose to abstain from work. And I want you to understand that too, because especially the men who feel like we always have to be fixing something, I understand you're strong enough to work seven days a week. But I just want to say, biblically, I don't think it's right. And I think eventually, you will wreck yourself. And so the calling that we see, and the example that we see in the creation story, is that once a week, that on that seventh day, that God abstained from work, and this is the calling that should be on you as well, that once per week, I should abstain from work whether I feel like I need the rest or not. And, and that's what we see in, in, in Genesis as God's creating. And I want to look at the, the first verse in our, our section of Scripture today, in verse 28, and we can put this back up on the screen if we could. Um, then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And I want you to see that there is an expectation that the people he was speaking to, they felt a heavy burden. And as a Christian, there should be some burden that we feel on our shoulder. We should feel a need to be shown as good stewards with what God has entrusted us with. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he really liked the illustration of a race. And if you have ever been in the middle of a race where you are running with your own legs, there is a moment where you were like, this was a dumb idea. Like, I've done a half marathon before, 13 miles of, of, I can't believe I signed up for this. What am I doing? And there's a point where you're in the middle of a race where you feel like, why am I burning so much energy and just getting to a finish line of a race that I'm not even going to win, but I, I need to keep going and to finish the race. And it's exhausting. You, you feel the strenuous nature of it. Like, that's what a race is supposed to feel like, and that's why most of us haven't entered races, because it feels exhausting. 
And so the Apostle Paul wants to compare living out our faith to being in a race because there is part of our life that is lived that should feel strenuous. Like I am working hard for the kingdom of God. And in 1 Corinthians 9, he says it this way. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. His encouragement is run hard. In Galatians 2, he talked about his own life. He said that for fear that I've been doing my ministry, my efforts have been wasted, I, that I didn't have it right, and I was running the race for nothing. He wanted to make sure that he was running and he was working for a reason. In Galatians 5, 7, he talks to the church, and he says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? In Philippians 2.16, he says, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. In Hebrews 12.1, the Apostle Paul once again writes and says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, I want to be clear. There is an expectation of hard work. And when we look at any one topic in the Bible, but we only see one side of it, we're going to get into a dangerous area because throughout Scripture, we see balance taught. We see, yes, you should be striving, you should be working, you should be pushing yourself as hard as you should. You should require endurance to run the race and live the faith the way that you're supposed to. But balancing that out is also this calling to rest. And I want to clarify that as we're studying this whole concept of the rest that he wants for us, it's not just physical. I mean, it, we'll dive into this in a second, but it, it gets into rest in the soul. And as Gulfside Church, we studied a couple weeks back about the soul, um, the Greek word psyche, that, that gets into the mind, the seat of the emotions, the desires, the passions, the anxieties. Like, God wants you to have rest there as well. I can pick on the men for wanting to, you know, work on the car seven days a week, but women, um, you, you tend to struggle with this more than men generally do. The anxiety, the worry, the fear. You need to take a rest from that. Uh, don't worry, it'll still be there when you come back to it tomorrow, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I wish it wasn't, but I know, know it is. But I, I would almost encourage you, as you think about resting and having a day of rest, that you say, I'm just not allowed to worry today. I'm not allowed to think about that today. Like, I'm going to rest in who God is today. And the calling is a beautiful one. It's not a, hey, get yourself figured out and come to me. He says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. Come to me in a messed up state. And I'm going to give you rest. And, and this call to come, I, I want to clarify that the call to come isn't just a like, check-in. It's not like the, I, I call this one person once a year on their birthday. This isn't like the Christmas and Easter, come and see me. The, the call that is connected to the promise of rest being provided, it is that same call to discipleship that he would give someone as he was inviting them to follow him. I mean, it almost parallels the notion in John 14, 6, where it says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like this whole idea of coming into a relationship, this connection, that's where the peace is provided because this is really the beginning of having peace in your life. If you've been living your life without giving Jesus the proper authority and position in your life, I, I know that there's going to be worry and fear and anxiety that is just on your shoulders all the time. But one of the things about entering into that relationship with him as your Lord and Savior, it's saying, I trust you. That as I follow your ways and the patterns in which you lived and the, and the things you wrote to me in scripture, the commands, as I follow those, I know that the results are in your hands. And so I don't have to waste my time, my mental energy on fear and worry. Because as I follow your pattern, I know you're going to handle the outcome. And so as we come to him, 
as disciples, as followers, as people who apply what he said because we recognize his authority over our own decision-making, he says, I will give you rest. I will give you the ability to set it down. And I believe that in balance, this notion, we need this rest so that we can run the race that is described. I mean, Jesus also talks about picking up your cross and following me. There's this balance. It's going to be difficult, but there's going to be rest, and we need both of those concepts fully in our head. And so I'm going to give you guys three simple things to think about this week. And, and the first one is this, and we'll put this up on the screen. screen. We need to be rested to run our race. We need to be rested to run our race. You know that if you have a race in the morning, the night before matters. And if you have a week ahead of you, the day that sets it all up matters. And we need to find ways to make that restful, to, to make that refilling. In verse 29, the, the passage continues on and says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. As I said before, we, we studied the soul a, a bit a few weeks ago, the, the psyche, the seat of our emotions, our desires, our affections. It's easy to get exhausted in that area too. I mean, it's, it's more obvious when we get physically exhausted. But when we're emotionally exhausted, man, things can get crazy quick, can't they? I mean, you literally can begin to lose your mind if you're sleep-deprived for too long. But emotionally, we can begin to act just as crazy. And as a parent, I had to learn that if I put my two-year-old kid in a situation where they were hungry and tired, and they started acting like they belonged in an insane asylum, it's not their fault, it's my fault. Like, I learned that. And I learned that a couple different times through some hard ways. There was one point in 2012 where I decided the best course of action to stay on the schedule that I felt we needed to stay on, we were going to drive all through the night with our four-year-old, two-year-old, and brand spanking new baby. Yeah, it was a really good idea. <laughs> I was like, everybody will sleep, Tia. It will be fine. It'll go fast. I'll stay up and drive all night. I don't care. It'll be fine. Nobody slept. And as my two-year-old was losing her mind, causing me to lose my mind at 2 a.m. as we're driving, I just handed her the entire bag of Cheeto Puffs. Like, just whatever. Like, I don't care how much you eat. Just be quiet. And, you know, the, the intention was you'll just sit and eat the whole bag, I guess. That was fine. But she just took it and she dumped it on her face. And she smiled as she, like, turned into this orange Oompa Loompa with cheetahs, like, just falling all over her. And I'm looking at it happen in the rearview mirror like, whatever. <laughs> like, like I, it's not her fault. It's my fault. Like, I, I, I understand she's tired. She's hungry. Her decision-making is far gone. But I want to tell you, you don't act too differently when you aren't rested either. Because how many fights have happened around your family? Like, I was just emotionally stressed out. I shouldn't have reacted that way. I didn't get good sleep last night. There's no coffee in the morning. I'm sorry for what I said. Like, we understand when we're not rested, what happens in our emotions, what happens in our words, gets out of control. And our words matter. I mean, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, towards the second half of the passage, he says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words are, re are a reflection of what's in our heart, and so they matter. And when we aren't rested, our words can easily get out of control. And what Jesus says is the rest that he wants for us is not just physical rest. He said it's rest in your psyche, rest in your soul.
And th this is, brings us right into point number two uh, about the rest that we need. And we'll put this up on the screen. We need to be rested to think clearly. And this might seem so simple and so practical. Number two, we need to be rested to think clearly. Sometimes computers freeze while I talk. I, I trust that they'll fix whatever I've broken over there. Um, but number two is we need to be rested to think clearly. See, they got it. Um, this might seem so practical, but I, want, I don't want you to miss that this is spiritual as well. That when you don't think clearly, people in moments where they weren't thinking clearly have destroyed marriages. People when they weren't thinking clearly have lost jobs. People when they weren't thinking clearly, an addiction became something that was destruction and took their life. And so thinking clearly is very connected to spiritual health. And rest is very connected to thinking clearly. And so this is an area that we have to recognize that is not just something that we should do once a week, but it's something that we have to prioritize once a week and prioritize on a daily basis because it affects the whole way that we live for God. And one of the ways that we need to rest and one of the ways that we need to reset our mind, and I believe that once a week you should have a day where you abstain from work, where you decide, I'm going to abstain from worry. I'm just going to shut that out. I'm going to push it out. This day is my day and the Lord's day. And I believe that part of that, you should be refreshing your mind with Scripture. And some of you guys would probably say to me, well, as I read Scripture, Paul, it makes me feel guilty. And it makes me feel like I'm doing these things wrong. And I want to encourage you that if you're reading Scripture and you feel guilt rather than conviction and leading forward, that's not the voice of God in your life. Like, that's something that you need to recognize, that as I read Scripture, I should be encouraged when I feel like I need to change directions or do something different. Like, I, I learned how to drive in the Atlanta area. Can you imagine, before smartphones and GPS being right there with you, getting lost in downtown Atlanta? Like, like it's a little bit stressful. Like, your temperature starts to rise. For some reason, you have to turn off the car stereo because you can find your way better when the stereo is off. And, and, and you're driving and you're lost. You have no clue how to get out of here. You can't find a gas station to get directions because that's what we used to do back then, right? You stop and ask somewhere. You can't find anywhere to get directions. And you have that sense of, I don't know what I should be doing. And then the person next to you says, wait, I recognize where we are. We just need to turn right and the highway will be up ahead. When you're in that situation, you wouldn't say, well, we've been lost for a while. I don't know if I should make a right turn now. It doesn't feel appropriate. I should just keep going straight. And What? No. You would be like, yes, I'm so glad. Like, let's turn right then why is it in our life that when we realize we're going in the wrong direction and someone says, you need to make a turn here, say, well, I've been going this direction for a while. It just feels right to keep going in the wrong direction. It doesn't make sense when we look at it like that. But emotionally, there's a feeling that we have to get over. We need to think clearly about these things. And when we rest, when we quiet everything else down, that's when it's easiest to hear the voice of God. As we study scripture and we encounter a time where it says you need to change directions, the word repent, repent means to change directions. It's not just lip service. It means to change directions in your life. And so when we get that voice, there should be no fear about saying, I'm finally moving in the right way. There should be no embarrassment about saying, I'm finally correcting my course. We should make the turn and be, be joyful about it. But that's something, that's a decision that's made when we're when we're clear-headed, not, not when we are stressed and allowing worry to control us. I mean, just even looking at the example of Jesus in the middle of a storm, in the middle of being in a boat where seasoned fishermen feel, are fearing for their life, Jesus is over in the corner of the boat taking a nap. Like, how important was rest? 
Like everyone else thinks everything's going to fall apart and Jesus is there napping. Um, take a nap. Eat a snack. It's going to be all right. Get some rest. Because this is what it gets down to. Uh, to. To say one day of my week is dedicated to God, dedicated to rest, is to say I have enough faith to believe God can do more with six days of my week than I can do with seven days of my week. To, to say, I, I trust that if I follow his patterns, the results that he's promised will come along. And this means setting down the stress, setting down the worry, setting down the things that could be done in the name of, I have enough faith to believe God at his word. And that's a decision that we make, once again, when we're clear-headed, when, when, we're, when we're thinking clearly. And verse 30, the passage continues into, and it says, For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. I, I, I want to be specific about this. That, that when we come to Jesus, when we respond to that invitation to be a disciple, there is an expectation of work. I mean, the, the, it talks about the yoke is easy to bear. And, and there is a contrast happening here in the passage of the yoke of the law was the common illustration, the Old Testament law. It, it was something that was too difficult, too heavy for the people to bear. And that was fulfilled only in the life of Jesus and given to us as a gift through faith because of the work Jesus Christ did to the glory of God. We don't have to earn our way to him. It is a gift of grace. We're thankful for that. And he says, the yoke I give you, it's not going to be heavy like the law. The yoke I give you, it's not going to be heavy like the Pharisees who added to the law and made it more difficult and applied it in different ways to different people. It's not going to be like that. But there still is this notion that you're going to do some work. And so we want that day of rest, but we also want to rest so that it, it enables us to be able to run that race as hard as we can. And if you've been running and running and running, trying to make things better, trying to ignore your need for rest, I tell you, you can't be who God has designed you to be at the end of your rope. There has to be a point where you say, I, I've got to do this differently because I'm not going to be able to do what God has designed me to do. If your marriage feels like it's at a breaking point and you can't pinpoint the last time you and your family just settled down and stayed together and had a restful day together, I tell you, this is somewhere that you need to make a turn. And it's connected to the third point that we'll put up on the screen. Is we need to be rested to accomplish our purpose. We need to be rested to accomplish our purpose. You can't be who God has designed you to be unless you rest. And we, we at Gulfside Church, we talk about our purpose as a church this way. We say Gulfside Church exists to help people know God, find community, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And, and that, that's because no matter what age you are, no matter what season of life you are in, if you are here and you are breathing and you have a heartbeat, we believe that there's biblical proof that God has a purpose for your life right now. That he has something that he wants to accomplish through you. But if you don't incorporate rest into how you live, you're going to miss out on seeing that purpose come to fruition. You're not going to be able to accomplish what God wants. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll make the comparison this way. If, if your life had to feel like one of these restaurants, would you rather feel like Taco Bell or Chick-fil-A? 
Taco Bell is open to like 3 a.m. each night, seven days a week. But I'm going to tell you, I think Chick-fil-A accomplishes more in six days out of the week than, than Taco Bell does. We, we, we see that. That's right. God blessed that chicken. It's great. But in the same way, like I want you to look at your life and say, in order to accomplish the purpose that God has for me, in order to, in, in order to run my race as hard as I can possibly run it, once per week, I have to stop. That I trust God. He, he's going to do more with those six days. And because I want to accomplish the purpose that he's given me, I'm going to prioritize resting some. So I can be all that God has asked me to be. Uh, do I have any NASCAR fans in the house? I know we normally have like one. And they're a little ashamed. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, there you go. That's good. I, I like that. Um, I grew up around racing in, in middle school and high school, and I don't follow it a ton now, but I like to peek on it every, every now and then. And in two, this happened to a lot of different drivers, but it happened to one driver at least twice in 2012 and 2015. Kyle Busch came back from 29th all the way to first place. I mean, dude was doing work. It was awesome. Last lap of the race in 2012, Talladega, I believe it was, and he came around the last turn cruise into victory, ran out of gas. Engine shut off on the last turn. He was like weaving his car, trying to shake some gas, some fumes, nothing. Cars passing him. Uh, By the time he gets across the finish line, the, the winner is already doing donuts in the infield, like celebrating. It was right there. It was his. Happened again in 2015 after the race. Last lap, I think it was the second turn this time, ran out of gas. After he said, I I think we got a little bit greedy on this one. There's a sense of, I'm just going to stretch it out. Like, I I know that I'm I'm tired. I know that I'm low on fuel. I think I'm just going to stretch it out and try to make it happen. And that same thing that Kyle Busch has done, I feel like so many Christians have done. And what it's done is it's damaged the way you live your faith, it's damaging your family, it's damaging your credibility to people around you because as they look at you, as a non-believer looks at you, they look at you and say, you look more tired than I feel. Why would I want to do what you're doing? But more important than their opinion is God's opinion. God said, from the beginning of creation, I showed you, I rested, I abstained from work with the expectation that you would one day a week as well. Jesus' invitation, come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. The apostles rested. Why haven't you been? So church, the the encouragement today, it's not a scary one. This isn't a message on tithing. This isn't a message on suffering. This isn't a message on patience. It's rest. But I think sometimes the church is even more willing to say, okay, I'll I'll finally start giving, Pastor, than they are to actually finally start resting. And so the call is there. The call is clear. And band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm going to begin. I'm just going to close this out. The call is there, and so the challenge is there. Has rest been a priority for your family? And that might, be, that might mean we're putting the cell phone down for a full day once a week. That's terrifying, I know. Uh, I, I won't work from my computer 
one day a week. It might mean, you know what, I, I don't work, but I know that worry and anxiety has been controlling my life, and I'm going to decide I'm not going to let those thoughts in. And maybe if I can figure out how to do it once a week, I can figure out how to do it twice a week and three times and finally push that anxiety and worry out that doesn't belong. But whatever it is that has been a weight on your shoulders, my encouragement to you is to come to Jesus with it. To lay it down and he says, if you're weary, if you're tired, come to me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. But none of that happens by accident. There's a point in the road where you decide, I'm finally going to turn this thing around. That decision today. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I thank you that you offer us rest. You don't want us to just keep going and going and going, but you, you say there's a point where you just shut everything down. You spend time with me, you spend time with your family. So, Father, that can be a scary space to step to step into for the first time. Give us the courage to figure out how to rest so that we can run as hard as we can for the kingdom and for your glory those other six days with other people, with work, with strenuous activity. Help us to run hard those days, but uh, help us to prioritize that need we have for rest. We thank you for the gift of rest. In Jesus' name.